Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Principal's Desk podcast. My name is David. I am the founder of the Principal's Desk. And this is a very, very exciting time to be in education, but just I think generally just kind of like alive when we think about technology. And over the last, let's say, year or so, I don't even think a year, uh, we've had this amazing new, these amazing new advances in AI. Chat GPT is out there. You know, we're able to to write papers, create pictures that aren't real, and it's it's really like science fiction stuff. You know, and I remember like making my first like video call on my phone or computer, whenever that was, and thinking. Wow, this is just like a science fiction movie when I was a kid in the 80s. And here we are. And now the things that we can do now versus when I was a kid is is, is it's amazing. And we're at this cross section, I think, where AI is coming into education. And I think that's what's got a lot of people talking, a lot of people thinking about what do we do with this? I know there's a lot of pushback that's out there, a lot of people that are really kind of worried about this. Um, but also a lot of people that are embracing this and seeing this as kind of this new frontier that we can explore as educators. So um, really, really excited to get to explore this topic here. I've got uh, Sarah. Uh, Sarah's here, and she is going to be uh, talking to us about AI. She's going to be uh, kind of explaining her kind of philosophy around it, how we can use this great tool. So Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, for folks that uh, don't know you, uh, just give us a little bit about your background, um, kind of where you're coming from, and uh, then we're going to talk about some AI. Yeah, so I have been in education for 20-something years. I have a master's and a doctorate in the field. I've done a lot of experiential education, like campy, youth groupy type stuff, and I've also for the last 15 years, been in the school setting as a school administrator. Most recently, I started and ran a small private school here in Denver. I would say that my approach is really progressive, student-centered, um, really just focusing on what's best for students. And I consider myself a bit of a scholar researcher. I'm kind of a nerd, and I like to read all of the research and think about how that applies to practice. And so I... Um, I'm a voracious reader. I like to read all the things. I'm not an early adopter. I'm adverse to change. And so reading all the things helps me with that. And that's uh, that's kind of been one of my coping mechanisms if I, as I've encountered AI. <laughs> that's interesting. You said that you resist change, um, but here we are kind of on this like threshold of like amazing changes that are coming to education that can be also kind of scary at the same time. And so uh, I think it's funny that, um, you know, you're, you're, it, it seems like you're one of those people that like, you need to definitely know a lot about it before well, I, you can move forward. Absolutely. I need to know a lot about it. And I also acknowledge that while change is scary, at least for me, often it's necessary. And so yeah. I have to put like what's necessary, what's best for students, where we're going ahead of my own personal fears. And yes, so reading and knowing a lot about it, like I said, is <laughs> but I just want to put that out there for listeners to like recognize, like if you're scared, I hear you. Like yeah. I hate change. I am not early. I am not an early adopter. 
That's I, I agree with you. You know, I, I when I was a principal, I brought in a lot of uh, new technologies to my schools, and I know that some of the teachers that I worked with were thinking, "Oh, you know, I was young back then. I'm not so young now, but back then I was a lot younger." And it's like, "Oh, well, he's young, and he, you know, he can do these things, and you know, like, you know, but we're we're you know we're different. We've had you know 20, 30 years in the field, but." You know, it's interesting that, you know, a lot of these new initiatives that uh, principals or school districts put into play here, um, they are well thought out. And some of us that are doing this are like, yeah, I don't know about this. Let me do my due diligence. Um, but also let me let me try to take a peek ahead to the future a little bit and how maybe can we address the needs of our students now with stuff that they're going to be using when they're older and I mean, I think AI fits right into that. And we're really seeing that now. Every time that I look at, you know, my online news feed, I'm hearing about how, you know, AI is being used in the workplace and jobs, you know, are being created that require, you know, knowledge of AI. And these are very high paying jobs. And it's the kids that are in school right now, they're going to be learning about these fields. I mean, we're going to see, and maybe they already exist and I don't know, but like degrees in like artificial intelligence and like, you know, I have a master's and, you know, I, I can't even conceptualize it because now I'm hitting that age where it's like, I either got to get on board or I'm going to be fully adequate, you know, antiquated and passed, passed on up. So um, tell me, you know, as you've been doing your due diligence and thinking about this, just give us like that 30,000 foot view. Like what, what do you think about this? Like what, when you, you know, when you're thinking about AI and education, like what's kind of like, what are you thinking about? What, what's keeping you up at night? For sure. And I just, you know, this leads into it. I want to touch on something that you just said, which is one of the greatest challenges as an educational leader is that you do have to do your due diligence. Everything you have to put out there has to be thoughtfully planned. And now there you have various stakeholders that you have to answer to, whether it's a board or a district or parents or students or teachers. So you can't just put things out there. And on the other hand, you have to be moving forward and we're you don't know what the future is going to hold. And if you're preparing your students for today's world, you're behind. So there is an inherent aspect of you must be taking risks. You must be trying things. You must be like stepping into a little bit of a role of a futurist. And so actually those that's what I think about. When I think about the potential for AI, I really think about it kind of in three different buckets with the two being more logistical and tangible and a little less scary. So one is how can we be using AI to streamline the role of a teacher? I think the teachers, and I'm not the only one, teachers are overburdened. We ask them to do so much. And when in reality, you know, I used to keep a running list of like, and this is why I went, I have two graduate degrees of all the silly things I had to do that really had nothing to do with my graduate degrees. Like mm -hmm. teachers could be doing the same things. Like, and this is why I went into teachers, into teaching. Like nobody went into teaching to spend hours writing reports. They just didn't. And so where can we be using AI to streamline the role of the teacher so that it's back to like, what is the teacher and what is our best use of time for the teachers? Mm -hmm. That would be one bucket that I I think we should be focusing on. The second bucket is, is um, really in the classroom. How can we be using AI to enhance classroom experiences? What do we need to be teaching students about using AI? What does that look like? And then the third, which I think is the scariest, but the most important of all of them, and is really what I'm hoping that we get to, is how, how do we need to reconceptualize what education is 
in light of AI, recognizing mm. that it's here and that the version that we have in front of us right now and the tools that we have in front of us right now are the least powerful tools we will ever see. You know, it's only going to get better and bigger and stronger and more pervasive from here. Yeah. What does that mean for what and how we should be teaching? What content skills and dispositions is are now irrelevant? And what content skills and dispositions do we really need to be leaning onto or leaning into? And going back to what we, we, we talked about a second ago in terms of we, we don't know what jobs are going to be out there. We don't know what the future of AI is. I What keeps me up at night is really thinking about how do we shift education away from more of that content-specific stuff to mm. the dispositions and skills. Because dispositions and skills can be translated. You know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts now, and every single podcast about AI hypothesizes about which jobs won't be around from now, like five years sure. from now. So, you know, translators are gone and paralegals are gone and content creators are gone and this is gone and that. So I think that we can all hypothesize about what specific fields or what specific jobs won't be around. But I think that we could all be pretty certain that 5, 10, 15 years from now, we'll need critical thinking. We'll need creativity. We'll need empathy. We'll need grit. We'll need these kinds of things. So instead of thinking about teaching students things that AI can already be doing faster and better. What are the things that we can be fairly certain that our students will need and how do we get them there? Mm -hmm. I, I like what you said about moving education away from solely content skills and understanding to um, it's like application. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I have, held on to for a long time now uh, and wanting to push education that way where um, I, I think for for a long time schools were trying to churn out these little human encyclopedias of knowledge and while that's great and all most of us aren't going on jeopardy most of us have to go out into the workplace and work with people you know plan with people problem solve with people uh, not just be able to spit out facts. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you talked about, you know, standardized assessments, you can, and that's a separate, that's a whole separate podcast, but that's, that's kind of like, how, how much do you know? It's not necessarily how much are you applying your knowledge? And I think it's super important. Say that again? What you can do with it. Yeah, what you can do with it. And it's, I think that's where the folks that are super scared and extremely resistant about AI use. I think that's where that understanding is going to come in. It's, it's, you know, you still have to understand what questions to ask when you're using AI. You still have to, you know, be able to formulate that thinking. Uh, and I, I use, I use ChatGPT. Um, I use it a lot. And I, I, number one is I find it interesting. Sometimes I type things in there. I'm just like, I want to see what happens. Like, I think it's fascinating. Um, but also, you know, it, it helps me formulate the right questions because I see what's coming back at me. And I'm like, oh, that was the wrong question. Maybe I'm going to rethink it a little bit. And that's where the human brain at is in this moment in time, in 2023, when we're recording this, um, can't be replicated. Um, who knows what happens in the future? I don't know. But right now, that, you know, problem solving and those type, like you said, empathy and all, you know, those types of, you know, emotion, you know, 
that can't be replicated, you know? And so I think that's where it's interesting. So if I'm a, if I'm a school leader or a district leader, and these questions are coming up from my teachers, well, what do we do about this? What do we do about that? How am I shaping, say, the educational philosophy or culture of my school around the understanding that AI is here? And instead of being a brick wall saying, okay, let's figure this out together. What does that look like for you? So there were a couple of words that I loved that you used, and I just want to emphasize them because I think that it's not a given. So one is the term educational philosophy and the other is together. And I think that those are two really key components. I've been really surprised with the schools and the school leaders that I've worked with over the last few months when I've talked to them about these things that they don't, they don't have a solid understanding of their educational philosophy, period. So then when you come to talking about bringing in AI, then it just doesn't make sense. So when I, I would say that for any school leader thinking about this, the first step is to make sure that you're clear on your educational philosophy. How do you educate? Why do you educate? What's the purpose of education? You know, a school that believes in more progressive student-centered education should approach AI different than a school that believes in a much more traditional setting where you're sitting in desks and following a curriculum. It's just different. You know, I think that AI is a tool in the same way that a computer is a tool and a search engine is a tool. And we've talked about a calculator being a tool. So AI is not an educational philosophy in and of itself. It is a tool to help you achieve your educational philosophy more successfully and to get there in a different, more impactful way. So that's just one clarification that I want to make is that first, like lean into who you are as an educator, lean into who you are as a school, lean into what, what you're trying to do with students and uh -huh. then think about the role AI plays in that. Now, like I started out saying, like I'm a progressive educator, so I'm all for like using AI to bring student experiences to the center and to facilitate their learning and to bring in more authentic learning experiences. And there's lots of ways to do that. And if you're not a progressive educator, you're going to approach it in a very different way. And the second thing that you said was together. I think that's essential for this, that this has to be a process that is done together. And depending on the school or the organization or the leader in play, only you know what together looks like. I don't know what that means that parents are brought in or a board is brought in or students are brought in to voice teachers brought in, but it has to be a process together that involves an aspect of education, you know, I, or yeah, of education for about, about the topic. You know, I, I live in a little bubble and just assume everybody knows lots of things about AI and everybody knows ChatGPT and everybody knows, for example, that legally kids under 13 aren't supposed to be touching ChatGPT. And then I have to take a step back and realize that actually no. And so before you're working on creating any sort of policy regarding AI, there needs to be some form of education about why. Why do you even care about AI? Because I, you know, I admitted at the beginning, I'm very change adverse. And my coping mechanism, like I said, is still learn lots of things about it because I have realized that my automatic response to something new is no, because I don't know about it. And I don't know what benefit it's going to bring to me. And all I see is change and a burden and something I don't know about. But when I start to learn about it, then I become more open. And so there has to be an aspect of education about why. Why mm -hmm. would this be something that we would want to bring into our school? Where is this headed? And how can we make sure to keep everybody safe while doing that? 
you brought up a really good point where, and I, and I, yes, I know this, but uh, you reminded me of it that, uh, you know, someone like me, I mean, I've played around with AI and chat GPT. I do not consider myself an expert in AI and education by any means. I'm purely a novice and I just get excited to play with the play, you know, play around with different things on there. But um, there are a lot of folks in education and maybe, you know, a lot of folks listening to this podcast who they have not gone on chat GPT. You know, they have not explored it at all. And they are very much in the dark as to really what it is and what it can do. And that's okay because, I mean, there are things that, you know, teachers do and administrators do that I've never looked at either. And, you know, this is another thing that, you know, although it's new and it's shiny and it's got a lot of buzzwords, I'm willing to bet that most educators probably haven't gone on ChatGPT, you know? Um, and so, learning about it together, I think is, is something really important. Um, you know, I can see that that being a great, you know, you know, during PLC time, like, you know, exploring this together, you know, let's go on chat GPT. Let's, you know, see how we can use this properly, maybe in our school. And then also how should we maybe discourage, you know, some things that are in there, you know, and again, that those, these are personal journeys that each school goes on. Um, but, you know, I, I like that it, it can help to inform, you know, your educational philosophy or a culture, you know, as far as, you know, how you're going to approach something like this. And there's an exercise that I do when I work with schools and I've done this across the country and it's always the, the outcome is always the same every single time. So I'm usually in a library or an auditorium or like a cafeteria and I will ask at a certain point of my time in working with, you know, the staff there, uh, can someone tell me your school's mission statement? <laughs> and no, no one ever can. And the, the best one I ever did, I was in a, this beautiful library in Iowa. And it's literally on the wall behind me. <laughs> and I keep turning and looking at it and no one's catching on to what I'm doing. And I'm like, it's right there. <laughs> they didn't. They had no idea, and it's fascinating to me. And um, you know, as we are potentially going into a new era of education, um, who knows? You know, but again, like it might be time for schools to look at these mission vision statements. Be like, is this current? Does this reflect who we are? Are we moving into understanding more about some of these new technologies that are out there? And do we want that to help inform the type of education that we are going to give our students? You know, um, so I think that's that's it's super interesting to think about uh, kind of in that way. But that also brings up a lot of questions around, OK, there could be a lot of amazing things that come out of this technology. But what might be out there that's like, hmm. Like maybe we need to hit the pause button on certain things or, uh, you know, be careful or inform teachers about certain things. You know, the, the big thing that's out there right now is, you know, with, with you know, while I signed my students a two-page paper and I'm finding that ChatGPT wrote it. And I want to pause there and I want to turn that over to you. And I want you to think, I want you to like, what are your thoughts about kind of what I just said? Like teacher signs a paper, Student puts that prompt in chat GPT, boom, comes out. So I do think there are real challenges to chat GPT and AI. 
And I, I just want to go on record that I think the benefits outweigh the challenges. So I'm just going to say that, but I, I'll address your challenge and then I'll bring up what I think are the real challenges. You know, I, I, as an educator, always have hated the conversation about how do we prevent cheating? Because in my mind, if we're assigning something that can be cheated on, we shouldn't be cheat. We shouldn't be assigning it. So that to me is the answer. Don't assign something that ChatGPT can do. Don't assign a paper. Instead, assign an authentic assessment or performance assessment or a collaborative group project. You know, if ChatGPT already can do the student's paper, then you're not doing, I believe it is an educator's job to prepare students for the life that they're going to be leading. And giving them something that ChatGPT can do right now isn't that. And so I think, and I think, you know, they've already, I've read all this stuff about the AI checkers and how they're not really valid and this, that, and the other. And I am going to say again, that the most valid AI checkers we have right now are out right now, because as ChatGPT and BARD and perplexity become more nuanced and more advanced, we're not going to be able to check it for plagiarism, like for, for use. We're just not. And so I think that is a losing battle. And so I think we just need to accept that that's out there. And in the same way that I believe firmly in teaching students, and you know, I have four of my own children, teaching my own children about how to safely use their resources, I think that's the approach that we have to take. ChatGPT is now a resource that is available to them. So how do we safely teach them how to use it? I 100% that teach, think that teachers need a way to be able to check for learning, but assigning something that ChatGPT can do is not it. So like I said, oral assessments, group projects, um, performance assessments, or, you know, I just, I just taught a class um, and I did assign a paper as the final project. It was for a group of high school students. And I made it so class specific that ChatGPT wasn't going to help them. You know, they had to talk about specific sources that we'd used infusing their own personal beliefs and examples from their lives. And like maybe kids could use ChatGPT, but by the time they figured out how to get ChatGPT to talk about their own personal beliefs and examples from their lives and apply it to the sources that we studied, it just wasn't going to, to serve a purpose. But it authentically showed me that they were doing what I wanted them to do with the with the assignment. Now, I do think there's real challenges. And some of those real challenges are that, you know, ChatGPT, I know that one of the biggest pushbacks when it first came out was the bias and misinformation. And to me, that's not a new challenge to life on the internet. Like my fifth grade daughter came home one day telling me the moon landing never happened because she saw a YouTube video. Like bias and misinformation is out there. And the reason ChatGPT has bias and misinformation is because it was fed the information that is out there that is full of bias and misinformation. So going back to the conversation that we had about what we should be teaching students, media literacy, critical thinking, checking for bias and misunderstanding, absolutely. Now I did, you know, I, I, I read all these things or saw these headlines about how AI is going to destroy humanity in the next 100 years. And I, I'm a bit of a skeptic. And like I said, I'm an academic nerd. I need to see the data. I need to see the research. So I had a conversation with somebody who had put out one of these reports. And I said, just explain to me how that's even possible. Like, I don't even understand. How is like some computer platform going to destroy humanity? 
And she explained to me how AI is developed and how it learns and how it works and how this, that, and the other. And so, you know, she had me understanding about how it was like a, it was a possibility of what could eventually happen. And what I gained from our conversation was less that it was a possibility that AI itself was going to destroy humanity and more a possibility that humans were going to use AI for bad purposes. Mm -hmm. That it is very easy, for example, to use ChatGPT to say, this is these are the household chemicals I have in my house right now. Tell me how to mix a poison. That that kind of, but ChatGPT is not going to randomly one day be like, hey, David, do you want to kill your neighbor? Here's how. <laughs> so in the same way, so it's up to us as educators to be training and teaching and inspiring our students. So I said, you know, I said, well, conversely, like, can, can ChatGPT take you know, these are the ingredients I have in my house and my son is sick. Can you tell me what the, she's like? Yes, people, you can do that too. So it goes down to how we're training students. How are we teaching them to avoid the misinformation? How are we, how are we, how are we training them to use it for good? And I think that that power is in mm -hmm. our hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the record, I like my neighbors. Uh, I'm not going to be poisoning them or <laughs> building anything to hurt them but no you're right I mean I can look a lot of that stuff up on the on just on the internet now um right. I'm, I'm assuming I have not done this before and nor do I have a reason to do this but I can go on the internet and I can you know find out the you know what chemicals do I need to make crystal meth in my house I, I'm sure there's probably a million websites where I can do that um I'm not going to do that I have no need to do that and to be honest I don't have that many cleaning chemicals in my house so <laughs> I probably can't make it um but I can do that now but you're right it's what questions are we asking how are we using it um you know the, the AI destroying humanity it's kind of like you know it's it's the Terminator reference and I did post something a couple months ago uh, you know on on, on someone's feed about you know like they were all worried about it I think I posted something about Skynet from Terminator and you know Skynet has all these positions open and it's just you know obviously none of us have a crystal ball you know but but it really is how are we using these tools because they're only going to get more advanced uh and sophisticated and you know um we're either going to get ahead of it or we're going to be just trailing behind it in education we we i do believe that we have a a charge to get in front of it to prepare our students for what their futures are going to be you know it's not you know uh going to the library and looking something up you know in the stacks you know and while some of us might have these like amazing like classical memories of doing this in college and you know walking down in the hallways and like finding the book like that doesn't you know, it doesn't do it anymore for anybody like that. They, I'm just going to go look it up online. Um, so we have shifted so much already, and I think we don't realize it. And then we're just we're adding a very exciting layer to this. But we do have a responsibility to show them, you know, how are we how are we going to be using this? You know, do we use it for, you know, some positive aspects or you know, are we looking at to, yeah, like, how do I, how do I make a poison to like, you know, make everyone sick in my house? Um, so in that kind of, in that vein, uh, can you give me some concrete examples of if I'm, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm thinking about bringing AI and into my classroom, like what, what could I be using it for? How can we start to experiment how can I have, start to have my students experiment with this so that we are teaching them these 
proper ways to utilize it. So the the first thing I do want to mention, I don't want to discount the the ways that teachers can just use it just for them. And like you mentioned, you know, there's probably a lot of teachers out there that haven't done, haven't played with it themselves. So I would encourage teachers to just think about how we, they could streamline their own lives. You know, is there a way that you could create a template for writing, you know, progress reports or emails or your weekly newsletter or things like that? So that I don't want to discount. And that doesn't involve students. And it's in some ways a little bit simpler because you don't have to worry about legality or anything like that. So I would encourage teachers and administrators and school leaders to just think about, you know, your top five monotonous administrative tasks and brainstorm ways that you could use ChatGPT or other generative AI to help you with that. I like to think about ChatGPT as kind of my like intern, you know, sometimes it gives me good stuff, sometimes not great stuff. It's learning. Um, so I do want to put that out there in terms of the student piece. I think right now, the, the core demographic for thinking about this is with our 13 to 18 year olds, because those are the students who A, legally can use it. Just so you know, 13 to 18 year olds can use ChatGTP with parental consent. So just putting that out there. Students younger than 13 are not supposed to be touching it. Nobody under 18 is supposed to be on barred. You know, I would check the legality of any of these and make sure it aligns with whatever school policy you have so that you're not getting in trouble with any of that. Not to say that students can't interact with something that you created from ChatGPT. You could have ChatGPT create four different iterations of a text at four different levels for fourth graders and give it to them. Go for it. You just can't put fourth graders in front of computers with open access to ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. So just to consider that. So I, with 13 to 18 year olds, I think, you know, I'm all for giving them a safe space to experiment and to let them understand what this technology is and how to craft a prompt and building in a system for them for the misinformation and bias checking. And there's different protocols that you can use in terms of like the four key components for crafting a prompt and the four ways to check, to check for, 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 um, for accuracy and things like that. The piece that's like struggling, that's challenging right now, I don't know what schools did this summer. I know that I worked with some schools to craft policy. I don't know what other schools did. So I don't know how many schools are gonna have policy in place about how you can use any of this. So it could be that your school has said, you can't use ChatGPT. You can't use any of it. It could be that your school has said it's open, you can do whatever. So then you as a teacher can, can talk to, your students about how to use it as a resource. So I think that that's a key place in all students. ChatGPT for and generative AI for a teacher is a great way to help you differentiate for student learning because you can put something into it and ask for it to give it back to you in a you know, a bulleted form, a summarized form using higher level language, lower level language. Please create a worksheet of 30 questions of multiplication problems that all use the number 12. So using it for ways that are not directly student facing, but are giving the, the teachers ways to better serve the needs of, of 
of um, students is really a great way. There's a ton of fun tools out there. I'm all for making sure your use of AI aligns with your goals. So that's my thing to be wary of. That's my caution to all teachers. Like, don't let AI be the shiny object that distracts you from what you're trying to do. You could spend weeks exploring the like, generative AI platforms that are out there to, you know, make Morgan Freeman movies and this, that, and the other. But if it doesn't align with your educational goals, you're really just wasting time. And so that would be my big caution is don't, especially when you're in front of students using valuable class time, don't, don't let it be a shiny object and keep your goals in mind. And then think about, is there a way that AI could help me do this easier, more effectively, more joyfully for my students? I never thought about using it for differentiation, but I heard you, you didn't say that word, but you essentially described that with taking a passage and using it, it you know, and having it change into, you know, uh, you know, simpler terms or more advanced terms. And that's interesting to me. I never thought about you could, you could copy and, you know, copy and paste something in there and say, yeah, make this, you know, you know, a different reading level, lower, you know, that's fascinating to me because we, we often struggle, like how, how am I supposed to differentiate with 25, 30 kids? Maybe some of these new tools out there could be not the one answer, but maybe it's an answer uh, to get started there. And that might be your way to begin to explore these tools. Um, I was always a big proponent of like, don't, don't dive in you know, just go in the shallow end and like feel around a little bit. And then as you get more comfortable, move, keep moving to the deep end. And this could be a way just to get started. I, I hadn't thought about that. I'm actually going to share that with some uh, teacher colleagues of mine and um, get them to explore that. Just I, I'm curious, like, how, how is that working for them? Um, but that kind of brings us into kind of like our, our, you know, another point here, uh, which is PD. How do we as, you know, educators support one another? If I'm an administrator, how do I provide that access or that safe space that you just said um, for kids? But how do we do that with educators? Um, but also <laughs> support and encourage teachers to explore because we're going to have teachers that are going to be extremely resistant say, I'm not going to use this. You know, how do we get some buy-in from, from them? So I would say that there's three big pieces to keep in mind with that. The first is giving some sort of official direction as the educational leader in terms of policy. Like, what are they allowed to do? What are they not allowed to do? What, consti what constitutes plagiarism? Like, are they allowed to use AI to draft emails to parents? Are they not? How are we keeping students safe? Like there needs to be some sort of official policy regarding AI to protect everyone and to make everyone know, you know, what is safe, what is not safe, where, what am I supposed to do? Those kinds of things. The second is, and as an educator, I think we need this anyway, and now it's even more important to create a culture of experimentation and and like an inquiry. And you can do that. I would start if you're an educational leader, model it. You know, show you know have in your weekly newsletter like 
this is how I tried it this week. It worked well. It didn't work well. This is what I learned. Model when you made a mistake. Model when you learned. Model what you're doing from it. Make sure that you do have this space where experimentation and like dipping your toes in the water of something new is is safe and you're not going to be called out on it. And some of that does go back to that policy of, you know, as an educational leader, you have to find that balance of, yes, I want to create a safe experimental space for my, you know, one of the teachers I used to work with once like let off fireworks in his classroom to try something like that kind of thing. Not okay. But like, (laughs) <laughs> watching you it's not it's okay so where is that line where will where will you go to bat for your teachers what is the safe space and then the third is to actually legitimately provide that space you know i just led in july i led the series for educational leaders about embracing ai and the different steps like creating policy looking at your education philosophy this that and the other and one of the pieces of feedback that i got about the series was that they wanted time to just sit and play with ChatGPT. And in the back of my head, I was like, that's ridiculous. You can do that on your own time. But they weren't going to. But if I had had, you know, 12 education leaders on Zoom together and we'd all dedicated an hour of our time and that's what we were going to be doing, they would have done it. So it might seem like a silly waste of time to say, for an hour and a half, we're just going to sit around and do ChatGPT and you're welcome to do whatever you want with it if you're struggling try these three different ideas. Like what are some things and you can guide them. And these are some best practices for how to craft a prompt or just let them figure it out on their own. You could talk to them about how chat GPT is actually a chat bot and you can interact with it and have conversations with it or Mm -hmm. let them figure it out on their own. And I, you know, if you'd asked me two months ago, I would have thought that was such a silly PD idea because people can do it on their own and probably have, but they probably haven't actually. Right. Instead of setting aside that time and saying, this is what we're doing, nobody's going to look silly. Nobody's going to look foolish. Nobody's going to look whatever, because that's what you're doing. And then I would just say, as with any PD um, initiative, the best PD is ongoing. So don't just do a session during, you know, faculty week before school and that be it. You know, you had mentioned PLCs, like bring it into PLCs, revisit it. Um, continue over the course of the year because no no one-off professional development is ever going to be effective, especially with something as new and changing and a little bit scary as this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're moving so fast now where, you know, in six months from now, what chat GPT or BARD can do could be so, like, we can't even conceptualize it right now. Like, I and I, I, I couldn't even guess you know, it might be so you know far advanced. I've seen, you know, and I, again, I, I I consider myself a novice in this, but just in the last six months of what ChatGPT being around or in the eight months, they've had like four or five different updates and versions. And, you know, I, I can't keep up with like, what, what does this do that the other one didn't? And it's like, it's like an earthquake. It's like, it's, this is a thousand times more powerful than the original one was. And it's, it's very interesting. And, you know, I, I will fully admit, I don't understand most of it. You know, I'm trying to learn just like everyone else is, but I am recognizing that as an educator, we have a responsibility to be exposing our students to this technology and to prepare them again for that world that they're going to be going into. That's 
you know, the world that I live in and you live in is drastically different than the one that my parents grew up in, you know, um, very different. Um, just like my kids are going to be in a, you know, when they're my age, the world's probably going to be very different. Um, we can use it for good and we can be prepared for it. Or like you said, there's always going to be negative applications of anything that's out there. Um, fascinating. Fascinating. What, uh, um, as we kind of wrap up our time here, what are your final thoughts? What, what's uh, something that you would like to leave everyone with? So I've adopted as my own personal kind of mantra, what might be. And I like to consider that question instead of just jumping to conclusions and automatically saying no. And just my first thought or my first reaction to anything new saying what might be. And that's what I would encourage anybody listening to this to, to just think about. When you think about AI, yes, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of unknowns and a lot of scary aspects and a lot of, a lot of fears. But just take a deep breath and think to yourself, what might be? We touched on some of the potentials today when thinking about streamlining teacher jobs, differentiating for students, preparing students with the skills and mindsets they need for the future. That kind of stuff is really exciting. So just as often as you can, just take a deep breath and focus on what might be. Great advice. Great advice. Sarah, thank you so much for, for being a guest. If 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 listeners want to learn more or contact you, um, how, how can they get a hold of you or wh where can they learn more about this? I'm, I'm, I'm positive there's going to be folks be like, I need to I need to start learning about this. Where can they go? Sure. So I the best thing to do is just go to my website. It's sarahrubinsoncc.com. And on there, you can email me. I have a whole bunch of blogs about a lot of the stuff we talked about today, like crafting an educational philosophy that includes artificial intelligence, getting started at your organization. Um, I just ran a series that I'm planning to put all the information up there for. I'm happy to schedule a call to clarify or answer questions or anything. I really, um, you can follow me on LinkedIn also. I try to post a lot of helpful content um, on LinkedIn about this kind of stuff, because my goal when it, I, I stepped into the world of AI and education because the conversations that I wanted to be having weren't happening. And so I want to be a resource and a space for anybody who wants to have these kinds of conversations, who wants a thought partner, who wants to, to know, you know, how do I stay updated? I'm happy to share resources. I'm happy to do whatever I can to support you in, in this new AI era. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. And we're going to put, we'll put Sarah's uh, website and uh, some other links to some of her things in the, uh, in the, uh, in the note section for this web, uh, webinar here, or, and uh, we will uh, be able to share those out with everyone here. But Sarah, thanks so much for joining us again. Very, very exciting stuff. Uh, glad to have a thought partner in you with AI uh, and chat GPT and Bard and all these other things. I'll probably be messaging you going, what do I do now? Or, you know, how do I handle this with my own children? Um, but uh, fascinating stuff. So thank you so much for being a guest here on the Principal's Desk podcast. Thanks. This is so much fun. All right. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is David, the founder of the Principal's Desk. If you want to learn more about the professional development services that we offer, please check out www.principalsdesk.org or email us at info at the principalsdesk.org.